Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. This evening's Dharma talk is from a, uh, the first line in a, in a particular a song of uh, Melarepa, Jetson Melarepa, the Tibetan, sometimes referred to as a saint, a student of Marpa, the translator, who spent most of his life in retreat. So the first line is uh, the title. There's other lines too. First one is uh, not separating, not separating appearance. All this, not separating anything that appears, thoughts, emotions, conclusions, opinions, ideas, Jeep Cherokees, everything, anything, anything, including that little tiny thought that might come up as soon as you hear a knock at the front door. You know what that is. You know, it comes up, it arises. Appearance, 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 appearance. Not separating appearance and emptiness. And the rest of that line is, this is view. This is view. As, I don't know what the word is, it certain? Mastered. Thank you. This is view as mastered. Excuse me. As it can be, as view as mastered. This is the view of seeing. Anything you see is empty of its appearance. It's empty of its appearance. It's an empty, empty of your imputation about it. It's empty of your judgment, your evaluation, your consideration, your explanation, on and on and on. It's empty of that. It doesn't mean it doesn't appear. We're not saying that it goes away and you somehow won't see anything anymore. No, the very thing you're looking at is empty. Sanskrit word for that, of course, is, as you probably know, shunyata. And it's just a stage on the path. It's not the end of the path. The other one that is, deals with that kind of duality of appearance and emptiness. Not separate. What's the other one? Afflictions and emptiness. How does it go? Not seeing affliction and wisdom as different. Not seeing afflictions. We all know what those are. I got a few. You probably have two. Not seeing afflictions. And wisdom, or deep, deep, completely pure and extensive understanding of everything. Afflictions and emptiness, or excuse me, afflictions and wisdom as differing. This is you. Full realization as can be. This is full, as full as realization can be. You remember that, or are you reading it? Um, I checked. Oh, you check. Okay. I can't remember it. So the idea of what's being addressed here is, is this and that. This and that. Polarity, duality. All the various worldly dharmas we know. Success and failure, big one. Right and wrong. Clear and unclear. Or clarity and confusion. Appearance and emptiness. Afflictions and wisdom, not two. They're also not one. This is an area where if you try to go into this with your thinking mind, I'm not saying that logic won't take you a long way there. Again, someone who is, who is uh, highly skilled at this can move into that area quite well. Any questions? Any question? 
underlying, um, when you say appearance, is that like the contact? And then is it possible at that point to, to eventually not be flooded with yeah. concepts? Yes, if you, if you, if whatever appears, whatever appears, if you do nothing with it, if you do anything, if you tip it, if you change its tone, its color, or reinterpret it, so it's a little bit more, what, palatable or acceptable, or you do anything with it, including blame someone, something, some situation for its appearance. If you abandon what appears, or what you think about it, then you're trapped in that circularity of existence. This is appearing, and this is what it is, and this is what it means, this is where it came from, and it shouldn't be here, and this shouldn't have happened, and on and on. Difficult. But if you just receive what that is, if you just see what it is, you, don't, you add nothing, subtract nothing, or ignore, don't ignore it, do nothing with it, then uh, you begin to see that it is empty of what you thought it was. It, it's, it's empty of its appearance. And you see it at the same time that it's appearing, you see that it's empty. You're looking at it. You're looking at it in the mirror. You're looking at it in someone else's face. You're looking at it in the face of your friend. You're looking at it in the face of someone who just uh, cut you off in traffic. Looking at it. It seems like if we don't confuse appearance and emptiness that that is fruition, not path. You're saying that it is possible to not do something with it on the path. It is, but to the ego mind, at least initially, it start, starts to sound like you're we're losing something. We're not getting it. We're this is uh, I have to figure this out. It will back away from the emptiness because it's, it's it doesn't have a reference point that can support the ego. There's no support for it. There's no walking stick for that. We, we need some kind of support for the ego, even, if, even to say, well, at least I practice, well, at least I'm meditating, well, at least I say the refuge vow, well, at least I have a teacher, well, at least, at least, at least. We're always going back to something, some kind of a support. But to see that the actual situation itself that arises is empty of what it appears as. It's empty of that. More. If we see that it's empty of that, is that fruition? Um, yes. Because you don't see anything. You, you don't see the, the appearance uh, does not show up as something else. So in other words, you don't see anything else. You see something, but it's not something else. Fruition. And it won't it won't fit in with your kind of hmm, does that mean that everywhere I look, everyone will look like uh, Gary Cooper? No, it doesn't smush everything all together so that everything looks the same. It might even be more outrageously uh, specific in terms of contrast. This is really bright blue and this is very, very a cold yellow. It could be lots of contrast, but it's not separate. More. So then on the path, what, what, where do we begin to see emptiness? 
we begin to see it when the imputation, whatever's arising, when we add what this is, explain it, elaborations around what that is, or we subtract, judge, evaluate, this shouldn't be there, this shouldn't be happening, I know why this is happening to me, I could go on and on, we all could. Uh, or uh, when it arises, we actually avert our eyes from it, we distract ourselves, we look at somebody else. Any one of those three and, and variations on it, there's all kinds of nuance happening there where they are combined. But whatever arises, last time you did sitting meditation, you go back to any one of you, go back to some negativity that arose, some judgment about some, someone, or judgment about yourself, or self-criticism, or self-anything, anything other than what, what arises. So when something arises in the mind stream, it's dependent, it isn't. It could be, you could be just flashing on something uh, your mother said, or your, your husband said, some a comment that someone said, your boss said, a coworker, your brother, something they said, and then just flashing on that, you just see that. What happens is then we start to add on to it. We start to explain it, or what, uh, what uh, I'm referred to as elaborate on it, try to show what, what he really, he probably didn't really mean that when he said that. There's one. Or, I don't know why he's saying that to me. Or else, I know exactly what he's, why, I know why he's doing that. I know why he's, I know why he's acting like that, because of this and this and this and this. And this is the amazing part, and this is the difficult part. It's because no matter what you explain, relatively, it will hold up. It'll hold up in court. The whole world is functioning out of relative truth. Spiritual materialism, psychological materialism, material materialism, materialism, materialism. Something is a thing grasping at phenomena as real. And what is the spiritual path? Looking at that. Looking at that grasping. Not trying to get rid of it. Not trying to modify it. Not, not doing anything with it, but just what? Look at the confusion. Look at whatever it is that's distressed or confusing. Look at the suffering. The Buddha said, life is suffering. And he didn't say, sometimes. Think about if um, adding on or elaborating is dependently arisen. You say it's- Which it um, is, good, good one, go ahead. You say it's about awareness of it. It is. But where's the emptiness? It's empty of what you think it is. How do we begin to see that if we're... Whatever is arising in your mind stream, just receive it. In other words, you don't have to do anything, just stop blocking it. If you're sitting, in the training part of the practice, if you're sitting and you start thinking about anything, anything that's arising in the mind stream, negative, positive, negative, neutral, whatever it may be, and you do anything with that, this is this is the way uh, uh, the confusion starts, and this is the way it continues to ramp up and go in circles, to right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, success and failure. More? Darn. Anyone? Augie bowing. Go ahead, Augie. We'll get back to you. Go ahead. Thank you. I wanted to ask, how does, you referred to wisdom and emptiness, how does consciousness fit into those or relate to those, bowing? 
Well, consciousness is just a word uh, that that uh, has to do with you, you can't get too far into this because it starts to fall apart in terms of relative truth. Consciousness is just a space in which things occur. It's like this room. Without space, you can't have any things. And without any things, you won't know there's any space. So they're not separate, just look like it. Uh, Augie Bowling, so is wisdom consciousness? Wisdom is a word that, yes, wisdom is a word that describes uh, clarity about whatever this is, just a clarity about what this is. Clarity, uh, the, the way it's taught is it's clear, it's, it is clear about the afflictions or clear about the negativity. But it's not covering up the negativity. That's a warfare. It's not an enhancing or talking or discussing or blaming the negativity. Even though something was relatively caused and we can do that and we can take it to court and we can win a case because this actually did happen. It's not saying that relative truth doesn't work. It does work relatively. But it doesn't work when it comes to really powerful dualities that are that are uh, that were shut down on life and death as one. If it, we're not saying that the body won't come to an end, but you can't come to an end. Don't believe anything I'm saying here. I'm not asking for your. I don't need your belief. You don't need it either. But the body shows up and starts and is born and goes on for a certain length of time and then goes back into the elements. But you don't go, you don't go anywhere. Your actual identity doesn't go anywhere. Uh, Augie Bowing. Yes, sir. If I could just come back to consciousness. We say consciousness doesn't have attributes. It's empty of attributes. Is, is consciousness emptiness? Yeah, maybe. Unless it's full of stuff. And then the stuff that's full of is empty. But it's empty of the stuff that it is, which therefore does what? Dualistically produces a solid space. So you can't, you keep bumping into what you're trying to walk through. I'm not being silly particularly. I'm just saying that that polarity can flip either direction. If you're trying to find a reference point, it will trip you up. Thank you. Don't thank me for that. I didn't explain that very clearly. Augie Bowing, I didn't ask very clearly either. Oh, okay. I'm off the hook. (laughs) Okay. Didn't you? Didn't you, Bowing? If something arises and we tell ourselves that it's empty, Kind of remind ourselves that this is empty. Is that act of reminding ourselves, does that separate appearance from emptiness? I think it's helpful. We have to work with it as it is. And sometimes we have slogans. Uh, like I say, don't add. It's kind of a slogan. Don't add. Don't, don't do anything unless you have to. But that slogan doesn't, isn't something you obey. It's something you, you use that and you look and say you can't quite. Stop adding. But what that does, that brings your awareness to the adding part of the consciousness. It keeps something happens and we put something on it. And when I say we, the consciousness that is the itself that is 
that is uh, um, has gathered itself into a ball of paranoia, and it's, and it's it's tied in with the body mind complex of somebody going somewhere who could be obstructed by something and be prepared to fight. That's why there are wars. That's why there's murders. People project their fears onto other and then fight with the other. And there isn't any other. But it has to be realized. You can't just say, oh, there's no other and we're all one and that baloney. That doesn't float at all. You have to actually see that you're, you're always looking at yourself. Because you're, first of all, you're looking at your projections. And then if the projection, if you eventually see the, see through the projections, then you're, you're, you're still looking at yourself, not the projections, not your creation, but you're looking at the actual perception that there isn't anything else but this. So therefore, you're always looking at yourself. Don't believe any of this. This is not a belief system. It's a, it's a, a practice that a spiritual path of being aware of what this is. And the path to that is being aware of a whole lot of confusion without fighting, without accepting, rejecting, shutting down, doing anything with it. Kevin Bowing. Yes. Uh, earlier, you said something to the effect of once we realize what this is, the path doesn't stop. What is the path beyond fruition, Bowing? Save all beings. You run into others that are confused, don't know what to do. And if they, if they turn away from you, let them turn. If they run by you, let them run. If they turn to you and say, help me, I need some help, can you help me? Then you find out if they really mean that. If they really mean that, then you might begin to help them. But if they're just wanting to be a person who's looking for help, that's another kind of identity. If they need your help, then you endeavor through your own awareness practice, you endeavor to meet them where they're at in the midst of their confusion, not correcting it, but be you, 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 the only way you can do it is to really be so fearless that you're not paranoid about anything. The paranoia itself has been transmuted into wisdom. Simple way of putting it that doesn't really help as a description, because how, what, what does that mean? How, how can you possibly transmute paranoia into wisdom? Not separate. If you see this not separate, then you don't believe anything, you don't disbelieve anything, and you certainly don't ignore anything. And in this way, you move just like the weather. Although from the point, somebody else's point of view, they might think you're nuts. Further, Kevin? Kevin Bowing. Getting into hypothetical territory, seeing what this is, does that presume that you'll want to help other people? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Because you don't see anything separate. You're not, you're not separate. It's like helping yourself. Something happens over here that's a terrible, painful situation. It's you. It's your. Your. It's, it, it's, it's just a totally perfect thing to do is to help others because they're not, you're not separate from them. It's like the, the old saying, the old, uh, uh, the, those who understood what this, what, this, what this is centuries ago would come up with slogans like, uh, everyone has been your mother to try to help you say, to do it in a real personal way. 
And, and you, it's at the, once you think, well, that's not true. Everyone hasn't been my mother. But by saying that and contemplating that, it's trying to say that you're not separate from anything, that you're you know, your heart's desire is right here in front of you. Everyone has been your mother. And so even terrible, difficult, challenging, suffering people who are maybe lashing out or mistreating others or whatever, your mother. That doesn't work too well if your experience with your mother was horrible. It only works if you really love your mother. <laughs> little inside joke there with my mom. Further questions, if you have them. Go bowing. Yes, sir. Um, going back to the Millerupa song, the beginning says, not separating appearance from emptiness. Yes. So how do we separate appearance from emptiness? We think that emptiness is emptiness, and appearance is appearance, and they're, they're, sep they're separate. We separate them. But if you look at whatever appears, and you do anything with what is happening there, you evaluate it, judge it, cling to it, reject it, fight with it, cover it up, do anything, you are not, then you're separating appearance from emptiness. Do nothing with it. Don't meddle with anything. Don't meddle with your own mind. My, the way I've been saying it uh, lately, even though it's in some ways that it doesn't, might not be helpful to you, but don't improve. Don't improve based on ideas of trying to live up to a standard of getting better. This is what the rest of the world is doing. That's why they, you go to university, they test you. And what are they testing? Your memory, usually. I'm not saying they don't test you to figure out a problem or do some kind of a calculation, of course. But there's no test for this, what we're doing here. Bowing. Yes. Does separating have a, a texture that we can uh, touch on? Yes, it will show up as, as some kind of commentary on what, whatever you're seeing, whatever you see. So you walk around the corner and you see a person standing there. We immediately try to separate that situation. And we, we know that we're doing that because we're, there's all kinds of judgments, evaluations, and considerations, descriptions, and so on about that person, starting with the clothing they're wearing, starting with their skin color, starting with their height or with their sexual orientation. All of this gives us all kinds of uh, uh, condiments to put on this empty sandwich. Just eat the sandwich. No, no, nothing extra. Shokabang, using the example of walking around the corner and, and seeing somebody. Yes. When it seems like the the condiments are so spontaneous, how do we just eat the sandwich? Very good. Excellent. Just just watch. Excuse me. Just watch the uh, what it was a kind of a knee jerk or spontaneous, um, not spontaneous, but uh, compulsive movement towards something to change it, to modify it, to spice it up, spice it down, to do something, anything, but just receive something as it is. And anything we can do to modify that, to make it feel more, more dependable, to make it feel more recognizable, or to make it feel more threatening, push it away from us. 
So just observing that. And the way we uh, train ourselves to do that is start out with your own mind stream, sit down, hold still, and watch the, the paranoia and the mind stream come and go and don't accept it, don't reject it, don't look away, do nothing with it. Modify, don't modify. Just observe what comes and goes so that the, so that the awareness itself so that your wisdom mind is actually clear about the confusion rather than rather than rather than the the wisdom mind has been usurped by uh, the propaganda of the ego. And we're going to get rid of this or we're going to build it up. Or we're going to do more with it. We're going to do less with it. We're going to get rid of it. We're going to cut it in half. We're going to divide it up and divvy it up or divvy it, divvy it up and pass it out to others. Any kind of activity around it that's coming out of fear desire for control, which is just fear. This doesn't mean that you might not do some kind of activity with the situation if you're actually receiving what it is. You see that it's not separate. This will feel to you, I'm just saying, maybe not, but the way I understand it and the way it looks over here, this can feel like you don't know what the hell you're doing, what's going to happen next. And you may even feel like you're losing control of everything while every, everyone else is in perfect control. And you're the only one that is lost in space. Jessica Vine. Jessica. If emotions come up that don't have a story with them, are those still a subtle form of commentary, Bowing? Well, yes. If you if the emotion comes comes up and your commentary is, there's no commentary. I don't know where these are coming from. That's a commentary. Somebody knocks on the door, you hear the sound, but you haven't opened the door yet. You don't know what it is. So you'll start to have a commentary right away. We, we cannot stand to just not know something, to just not know. So therefore we generate something, even something like, um, I don't know who this is, I don't know who's there, or I don't know why I'm having this feeling. The next time you have a feeling, if you can see, the feeling arises, and then we immediately go to some kind of attribution about that feeling. And it may be just, why am I feeling this way? This is, this is odd. Is it something I ate? Is it, is it, is it, is it? Oh, no. It seems like it's a long distance between where, where I'm at, at least on the path, seeing the commentary so quickly arise and not... Um, being engaged by the commentary. Okay, so, so, so it's not necessarily about not being engaged by the commentary. There's a subtle idea of wanting to control, looking for a result, that you're having a commentary that you're aware of, but you don't want to be uh, uh, caught by it. Is that true? Yeah. And what I'm saying is be caught, but be aware of that so you can really see the big picture, not just the little picture where the commentary comes up and you notice that you're kind of getting you're kind of uh, trying not to get engaged. Follow me? Engage. If you're at that point, then you you may be in a situation where you just need to totally be with whatever is arising rather than try to resist it so that you don't comment. When I say don't elaborate, don't comment, I know you can't help it. But if I say don't elaborate, don't comment, then when something does come up, you'll be more because you'll put some tension on that more than likely. And you'll notice you can't help but comment on that. So it's that awareness that eventually takes you 
into realization. The negativity, the wisdom that is looking, because that is wisdom. The wisdom is looking at the confusion, looking at the craziness of, of the world, the materialism of the world, the grasping, the rejecting, the greed, the desire for control, for, for owning something, controlling something. We see it in very tiny children. Starts out real early. They want control. More? I'm going so, you know, this question has been asked a million times, but um, how do we um, uh, feel the control or feel the greed and not act on it? Or do we so act on it as well? You may, there may be some kind of action. You may need to be in order to thoroughly see what that is. I'm not saying, oh, if you feel like killing somebody you well i had to kill a few people to see what murder was like I'm not saying am i going that far but I'll, but that is that is the thing that terrifies us when we start to get close to actually feeling the texture of it because we realize when we do that we're kind of losing our reference points about right and wrong up and down because most people are are living out of standards laws not wrong most of society has to have laws and standards and things to live up to a spiritual path, a true spiritual path, which uh, it doesn't involve that. I mean, it involves it to some extent. We have forms that we uh, that we observe and that support our awareness practice. I'm, I'm trying to think of a very simple example, um, uh, and this is taught differently in different places. So, and I'm not uh, saying that what I'm saying is the right way, and everyone else is. Um, wrong. You're saying you, you in your practice, this is why I teach uh, block setting, the four hour block setting, sit down, strike the bell, sit there for four hours, it's the end of the four hours. And whatever happens in that time, watch what moves. And that includes the body. We're not separating the body out where the body gets to really hold still, but the mind is all over the place, unless you're following a mantra, unless you're uh, following the breath and trying to be still or trying to be more mindful. My, my, this teaching comes out of three, uh, three decades of practicing another way. I don't teach it anymore. What do I teach? Watch what moves. And that may be your body after you, that first ring, instead of sitting there for four hours, you may get up and anything. You may go to the bathroom, come back, may go to the refrigerator. You're watching the movement. You're including your entire body-mind complex, not just holding the body still and trying to accomplish some kind of stillness in four hours. So therefore, some people just sit there for four hours. Someone else can't sit there for 10 minutes. So it's about watching that movement. And not only that movement, but all the other attendant movements that tend to chime in and agree or disagree or ignore. More? So um, we're to be greedy, to be controlling, in order to really appreciate the texture. There, there have to be some acknowledgement that, that, that that's what's happening, and that may show up as a, a that may show up as an expression of greed, or you might may just feel the greed, just like you may just feel 
a jealousy, but you don't hook up your vocal cords. You may just feel uh, some kind of negative uh, emotion around a, a person's activity, but you don't really don't really bring it up. You just feel that texture of that emotion. And you don't abandon the emotion for who caused it. And if you do abandon it for who caused it, uh, you don't turn right around and clamp down on yourself because you did that. With the, the first negativity is negative enough. But then to come with another negativity who's greedy for control. So that's why it takes a lot of practice. A lot of sitting down, holding still, and watching the mind that kind of tightens up and then loosens up and then tightens up and then loosens up based on on how the awareness is functioning and how the apparent uh, self-centeredness is relating to whatever form is arising in the mind stream or ego. You follow what I'm saying? I think so. What did I just say? Simply put, summarize it. Go ahead. You can, you can. Say it. The words are running away from me. That's correct. What you just said is correct. That's, uh, just surrender to it. Just surrender. When it comes up, just be a nobody. Not not be a nobody like I'm saying be a nobody. But when I pressured you, what happened? Everything came apart. Why? Why? Fear. Uh, not wanting to fail. Okay. Not wanting to be put on the spot. Not being able to. So I would say think on my feet. I would say yeah. I would say you're pretty damn clear about how you felt. That sounds like an excellent description. Now, do you want to say? It does not feel good. It's difficult on the self-centeredness, on the ego, to go through this this passage, this uh, this uh, um, what do they call that? Uh, when you go through a a, a group a group of people where they all have paddles and they're paddling you, huh? A gauntlet. Uh, going through a gauntlet of your own mind and I would say just do it anyway actually be willing to be responsible for the for the for the self-inflicted gauntlet do it anyway that doesn't mean torture yourself but go go through the not knowing the feeling of being uh, a failure or not knowing or not wanting to be afraid or not wanting to be a failure and being a fear of failure Sitting practice meditation will help you do that. It won't do it for you, but it'll give you the, the give you the energy and the insight and even the inspiration to continue to do that. Have a question? You should have. Like, why are you being mean to me? <laughs> Thank you for the teaching. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for gratitude. Anybody else have any gratitude? Further questions, if you have them. Do you all see what, what transpired here? Does that, do you follow that a little bit? I thought maybe if you did, you could explain it to me. 
So are we all done? Are there any more questions? You should be just close. No questions? Okay, we'll close. Amen. Penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Jiho Sanchi. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. All Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan, and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.